Hey guys, so it's Briley here with Dissecting Reality. Um, this will be my first official real podcast that's not just my trailer. So today we're going to be dissecting the majority of reality a little less and focus on my own reality, my childhood, um, and just kind of a little biography of my life to how I got to this point and where I'm at and wanting to talk about and share these kinds of things. Um, so yeah, uh, if you're new here, most of you are new here because this is my second episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Hopefully you guys can enjoy this and enjoy getting to know me a little bit more so that you'll understand my future content a little bit better. So, first, I, I mean, I was raised, born and raised in a small town in Missouri, very small town area, rural, uh, we grew up in the country, my younger sister and I, uh, just a very a typical country house surrounded by fields on one, on three sides, uh, woods on the other, very, very rural country area. Um, <clears throat> I was born in July, so for those of you who are interested in astrology, I'm a, a cancer. Uh, but growing up, so when I was a kid, I was very athletic. I, uh, I've always loved to be outside running around, doing things. My, my grandma... <laughs> is a little more prim and proper and she had a lot of influence in my my being raised uh actually I'll start it before I was even my parents didn't they weren't together they were I was an accident I was completely unexpected I was not the product of a loving relationship not even really a relationship at all um so when I was my mom went through her pregnancy pretty much alone with, uh, you know, without a partner. She went through it with, she had my grandma and her sister, my aunt, but she really mostly, she went through it alone. And I, I know that could not have been an easy thing to have done. <clears throat> so they ended up actually getting married. They ended up after my first my first year they weren't really together and they ended up getting married when I was about two I was the flower girl at the wedding um my mom wanted to get married in Vegas of all places and it makes a lot of sense seeing as how ultimately one of her biggest downfalls in life ended up being gambling thus far one of um anyways so I got married when I was about two, and that's also, that's when I started doing gymnastics. Uh, Obviously, it started out as just, you know, a little two-year-old in gymnastics. It eventually developed into, when I was, you know, about 11, 12 years old, I I had tangible hopes of it becoming a a collegiate thing, or even even more than that, an Olympic thing. Um... So that was a big part of my life was gymnastics for a really long time, but, and that was kind of my escape from my home life. I didn't even realize that (laughs) at the time. I didn't realize how important it was for me to have that safe space with all those people and just being able to move my body and run and jump. And (laughs) so it was my safe space, my escape from, from my home life, uh, you know, so obviously my parents didn't marry because they loved each other. They married because they had me. And they thought that it was the right thing to do. They didn't love each other, and that showed at home. It, it showed in our, in our rural home, away from everyone. You know, my parents didn't... I won't say that they beat me. I did receive many, many spankings with various things, spatulas, spoons, you know, they didn't, they didn't beat me, they didn't sit there and hit me and punch me and, you know, drag me by my hair, but they're, they were slightly aggressive with their disciplinary measures, 
um, very emotionally distant. You know, my dad, I, I honestly never really had a relationship with my dad. And if it was, whatever kind of relationship there was, was ultimately very negative. Um, and there's some details surrounding that that I'm not going to go into in here because of very personal reasons. My dad and I never really had a relationship. I actually, I remember hating him, you know, and I say that with such hesitancy now because I don't hate anyone now. Um, but so we never really had a relationship and I spent a lot of my, my mom went to work all the time because my dad wasn't the one that was working or making any money. Uh, so my mom was working all the time at her corporate job and I spent most of my younger, youngest years with my grandma and my aunt and my soon to be uncle. He was my aunt's boyfriend at the time. Um, I spent a lot of time with them because my dad wasn't that great of a, of a caretaker and my mom was out working all the time. <clears throat> so And once I got older and I was in school and I remember that I would, I wanted to be at my grandma's all the time. You know, I didn't, I didn't really want to be at home by myself with, with my dad because it just didn't, he, we didn't have a relationship. He didn't feel safe to be around. Um, so I spent a lot of time at my grandma's and, and now ultimately I think of my grandma as my mom more than, than my own mom, uh. So my childhood, we'll say, say two to ten. Two, well, we'll just go two to twelve since that was when I was in gymnastics, and that's just a big blockout point for me. Uh, I did gymnastics all that time. Very, very invested. Oh, I loved it so much. Like I said, it was my safe space. Um, but I realized ultimately, like. It was a safe space I had to be at a little too much. Um, when I was in sixth grade, I actually, by the, okay, by the time I was in sixth grade, I was training in the summer approximately six hours a day, five days a week, four to five. Um, training gymnastics very, very vigorously and intensively. And even during the school year of my childhood before I had to quit gymnastics, it was school and then we would get food very quickly. I would already have my gymnastics gym bag packed with me and taken to school every day because we would just, my gymnastics place was 30 minutes away. So we would get in the car from school and we would go grab food real quick and go to the gym and I would be there for anywhere from three and a half to five hours in the evening going right after school I would do my homework in the car on the way home and then we would get home and I would go to bed <laughs> I'd take a shower and I'd go to bed um that was my life for a lot of a lot of my years and when I wasn't doing that I was either at my grandma's, which was ultimately always an enjoyable time. I loved being at my grandma's. But when I wasn't, I was at home. And, well, first of all, my my parents did a lot. They both did methamphetamines and other, other substances. And their behaviors were behaviors that brought a lot of very dark energies to our home. So as a child, I believed that the house was haunted. I now realize that in a way it was, just not by ghosts that were attached to the history of the land. <laughs> um, it was by the demons that, that my parents were welcoming in through their actions. Uh, that those were the things I was seeing and hearing in my childhood home. It wasn't, it wasn't ghosts of past dead people. It was, it was demons that my parents were inviting in. Uh, so when I was home, I already didn't like it there because of that. And then on top of that, I would say at least once a week, at minimum, my parents would get into a pretty big fight. Not usually physical, though there were some instances where I do remember there being physical instances or ac accidents and that's actually when I would 
that's after the first couple times of that, I was probably seven or so. And my mom had given me a little flip phone because I was so busy with gymnastics and school and everything. It, it was functional and it made sense for me to have a way to contact them if my practice got over early or if I forgot my gym bag at home and I needed to call them during school or whatever. Um, so they had me, gave me this little flip phone and that's whenever I, after the first couple times where it got even slightly physical, still nothing like not totally domestic abuse, but on the verge of it. Like there's a line that they very thinly didn't cross and or a very thin line that they, they barely didn't cross. <laughs> um, but I would sit there and I would have my phone, my little flip phone waiting with 911 dialed, waiting to press the little green call button. Um, and that was probably, like I said, once a week from the time I was seven or eight to about 12. Um, they, they didn't try to hide their fighting from me or my, they would but very poorly. They would either go outside or go upstairs or they would try to go where me and Meadow weren't, but their yelling didn't, they weren't trying to keep us from hearing it. They weren't trying to keep us from from knowing what they were fighting about, you know? So there, I'm, I'm, I always wanted to protect my sister from it. And ultimately that's a poor idea in any case to try to protect someone from the ultimate unavoidable pains of life. It does people more disservice than it does good. I thought I, you know, and maybe for my sister, it actually, maybe it did do something good. I hope that it did, but I'll never really know, um, because ultimately she had to see it when she grew up anyway, but I, I like to think that keeping her in her youngest, most vulnerable state from hopefully having to hear these fights did her some good, I hope. Uh, so that was the, that was the majority of my childhood, a few little, uh, from like two to 12. The one other thing there that I didn't mention was in fifth grade, I started developing migraines, uh, and that will actually tie in later, but I just wanted to mention that now because it kind of goes with the timeline. Um, fifth grade, I started developing pretty bad migraines. Then sixth grade, I actually was when I, uh, had to quit gymnastics. I strained the labrum in my left hip and in my recovery process from that, where I was taking off about six months from gymnastics, and that's a long time to take off from gymnastics. It, gymnastics is a lot of muscle memory, and when your muscles start to, to deteriorate, to atrophy in any kind of way, it really impacts your ability to get back so vigorously into that training, especially at such a young age with injuries. Um, in my recovery process for my left hip, I actually strained my right hip because of the way that I was favoring my left, um, or favoring my right to keep my left from hurting. So that's why I had to quit gymnastics right before we were actually about to, we were seriously considering moving to Kansas city or Columbia. I can't remember Columbia to train with a very, um, very, very prestigious gymnastics trainer, gymnastics coach. And then I strained my labrum and those dreams kind of, you know, <laughs> went down the drain. Uh, and that was hard. That was a big, you know, that was almost like <clears throat> a midlife crisis for me at 12 years old. <laughs> if, if you could imagine that losing some, I mean, that was my whole future there. And not many people at 12 years old have, have a future ahead of them they can so clearly and distinctly see and have it ripped from them at 12 years old. Uh, so that was, that was a big thing for me. And after that, you know, I went into junior high. I started gaining weight because I wasn't as athletic. I tried to play volleyball. I played volleyball sixth grade and seventh grade. And I wasn't very good at all. And that was unusual for me because I was always one of the best at gymnastics. I you know, was demonstrating skills for the 16 year olds that were there training the same level as me. And 
so I was always just like so top tier in my athletic abilities and to go play something that all these other girls had been playing and training at for a couple years now and I was just like completely lost I wanted to quit so bad um my best friend at the time she actually her and her mom who was the volleyball coach and one of my other teachers convinced me to try to play one more year and I actually got I got pretty good the next year and I got really excited I played club and and then volleyball kind of became my athletic channel that kept me in shape and you know kept me it, it became a little bit of a safe space for me I've always loved to be active and and, and move and run and jump and, and get to work on transferring things from my mind, transferring information from my mind to tell my body what to do to, to best and most accurately do what it is I need to do. Uh, especially like in a competitive nature. I always, I'm a pretty competitive per person by nature. Uh, but so there's that athletic background there. Um, junior high was an interesting time for me. Uh, junior high was when I first started experiencing depression, uh, anxiety, perfectionism, people pleasing. <laughs> uh, I was a very traumatized kid. And most people, I was one of those kids that Oh, you're so wise for being so young. You're so strong for being so young. So mature <laughs> at such a young age. And, you know, it's pretty common knowledge now. For most people, I think that it's not actually a good thing to be mature as a child. It means that you're struggling with some pretty heavy stuff that you're really having to work through. And it's it's not a good thing to be, I'm a, I prided myself on how strong and wise and mature I was because that's what people praised me for. And I shouldn't have had to have been that way as a child. Regardless, you know, no one should, but regardless, uh, <clears throat> I was always very stoic. The, the kids, the girls above me, I always thought that girls in school didn't like me for some reason thinking that they thought I was weird or I don't know and they weren't bullying they didn't bully me really but they were just like other than the ones that were my friends in the class like the ones who weren't my friends the ones who were a little bit older than me they literally I mean they told me eventually after I kind of befriended some of them that they were they thought I was a bitch because of my resting bitch face and it wasn't even resting bitch face. It was this stoic mask covering the pain of what I was facing at home that no one knew about. Because I didn't even know it was abnormal. That's the craziest thing when I started growing up and I started going to my friends' houses more and I started really realizing, wait a second, the way I live at home isn't normal? The way my parents are isn't normal? this isn't how other people live other people don't have to go through this what it was it was mind-blowing for me and that's you know junior high when I started to to first experience bouts of depression uh so it's just junior high was a weird time I was bullied a little bit for I have a, a gap in my teeth I'll say a little gap it's more than a little but uh I had a gap in my teeth I started putting on some weight um so there was some bullying there for stuff like that there were lots of you know just create pre-teen drama with with the girls in my class and and the, the boys being I'll say being boys but being boys that were brought up by a corrupt society and that was just there really wasn't super anything super um big turning points in junior high just the biggest thing really was that I decided to actually keep playing volleyball and that I experienced my first bits of depression there so then we moved to we've got freshman year freshman year was a big year I uh 
Oh, and that was another thing I did. I, I did volleyball. I love volleyball now. I also did cheerleading. Um, but that was really just a way to get to continue doing my flips and my jumps and the things that I like to do in gymnastics that I couldn't do in gymnastics anymore. And that was a way to continue to do that. So freshman year, I, uh, around February, I was cheerleading at our homecoming game at our little small town. We were playing our rival team from the other town that we always played. And, uh, I was doing, I would do this thing where I would spell out our town name. Um, we'll just say St. Louis, for example, because I'm in Missouri. I'm not going to tell you guys the small town I live in. It'd be way too easy to find me. Uh, but I would do backhand springs that would, you know, so it would be, they would, I would do one backhand spring and they would say S, another backhand spring, T, another backhand spring, L, O, U, I, S, and I would do backhand springs for every letter. Uh, so at that point, I, was, I did my backhand springs for, for my, the thing, and I came back to the sideline and I feel like a little dizzy, but I just did like 14 backflips why wouldn't why wouldn't I feel dizzy but then start suddenly the squad and my friends and the uh, cheerleading coach was looking at me like are you okay what's wrong with you and then I tried to say I'm fine and it came out all slurred and I realized that something we were we all realized something was very wrong turns out I was actually having a seizure that was presenting itself as a stroke presenting itself as symptomatic of a stroke. Ultimately, we found out that, so I was rushed to, uh, well, we had an ambulance come to the gym, to the basketball game, and they, they checked me out, and they were, they said, oh, she's fine, she, uh, she probably just got dizzy from her backflips, and they were like, no, she's been doing backflips since she was two years old. She may be a little dizzy from that, but that is not why she looks like she's having a stroke at 14 years old. So my mom had to pretty much bully them into taking me. She had to act a little bit crazy for them to even take me to the hospital. They did take me to the hospital in um, the bigger town. So we had to go around 30, 35 minutes from where I lived to the hospital, from the gym in the town where I lived to the hospital. And so we're, we're going from the, to the hospital. I'm riding in the back of the ambulance. I don't remember a whole lot of it because it's blurry. And honestly, the whole experience still just feels like a dream, like a very vivid, lucid dream. Uh, get to the hospital. They give me some liquid anti-seizure medicine. I have an allergic reaction to it. They do scans. Turns out there's a lesion on my brain. So they're like, we don't know what this is. <clears throat> For all we know, it could be cancer. It could be an aneurysm, a tumor. You know, it could be so many different things when they just say that there's a legion on the scan. So they flew me by helicopter to St. Louis to uh, a children's hospital up there. And we, uh, they did more scans, more tests, waited for the tests to come back. Once they came back, they told me that... <clears throat> I had a, what was called a cavernous malformation. They call it, it's a cavernoma. Cavern, cavernoma for sure. Cavernous malformation is the more technical term. And basically my blood vessels clustered up here in, in the right parietal lobe of my brain to, it, there was just this little cluster of my blood vessels that almost clotted up. It wasn't necessarily a clot but they got all clustered and tangled up um, where it looked basically like if you can imagine a little raspberry in my head. Uh, so they told me that I could either have surgery to have it removed, which would be a risk, but would mean that the seizures would likely stop, or I could not have the surgery, which would also be a risk, and I would likely continue to have seizures that would probably progressively get worse. I didn't have to think about it. 
they told me that I didn't have to have a second I didn't take a second thought I said let's do the surgery so we did the surgery and I think (laughs) honestly I'm pretty sure 14 year old me was I think they told me that once I turned 16 or even 15 you have to wait like a year or like six months or something after each seizure before you can drive again because of the dangers that it presents like if you're a a risk for for multiple seizures you have to be checked regularly and you can't drive after six for six months after you have an episode and I think little 14 year old me was looking at future 16 year old me like I'm not gonna do that to you I will die here before you can't get your your driver's license and drive around like you need to be able to get away from your home. Um, But so I had the surgery and that was one of the biggest events of my life. That was like the second little, what I would call, not exactly a midlife crisis, but that was my second pre, my second, my adolescent crisis, I guess. I had my preteen crisis and my adolescent crisis. So, uh, I had my brain surgery and I ended up staying, I was doing kind of homeschool through the school for a good few months after that for recovery. I went back and, uh, it was weird to go back to school after, after being home and pretty much by myself so much of the time. It was very weird, but I went back and then freshman year was over and I started back up in volleyball when I was allowed to and I actually started back up I started I came back playing better than I ever had which to me still feels so weird uh, to think about but uh that's not super important um kind of important because it does lead to other events that happened uh I also forgot, though, I, that was when I, I was raised Christian. I don't know how I have not mentioned that. That was kind of the whole point of this, was to talk about my spiritual um, progression. I was raised non-denominational Christian, going to church pretty regularly as a young child. And once I got more invested in gymnastics, probably around nine or so, we stopped going as regularly. And... After my brain surgery, I really dove back into Christianity for a while. Read scriptures daily, read the Bible daily, um, prayed. But through my Christianity at that time, I I became very conservative as well. Very into politics, very political, um, but on the conservative side. But after, you know, I was still a kid. I wasn't like a nun, you know, like a suit that devoted to Christianity, but I did really find Christianity in a way that I never did before, never really understood, because even as a kid, like, I, I knew that I had these immediate repulsions to a lot of aspects of Christianity, to the way the church was set up, and the people in the church did not feel right to me at all, um, and now Christianity is actually, while I don't put myself in any kind of box or have a label because it there's really nothing that fits at this point so even if I wanted to put a box on it I couldn't because I'm not new age I'm not esoteric I'm not Christian I'm not Buddhist or Hindu or atheist or agnostic I know what I believe and I believe in true mother father God uh but that's, you know, that's another one of the things that always repulsed me was how in Christianity, it's only the father, you know, there's the Lord, the father, and my father was not a good model of what it means to be a father. And it really repulsed me that there was no mention of a loving mother aspect. Um, anyways, so even though I had these repulsions as a younger child and didn't really invest myself in Christianity until I was 14 after my surgery, during and after. But uh, eventually I got Twitter 
I experienced more depression. That was one of the things, like, after my surgery, I experienced a lot of depression. Depression like I'd never experienced before, even though I started experiencing it some in junior high. Those were, that was the first time that summer after my surgery was the first time that I had ever thought about even the possibility of what it would be like to kill myself. And I didn't... I didn't realize that I was actually had been doing things too that were inviting these demons into my life and into my field that were that were breeding and perpetuating these thoughts and these feelings of depression. And I mean like the shows that I started watching and I was really into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like that will always be my favorite show. Um, well, it was always my favorite show. Now I'm really into to Star Wars a lot. But uh but yeah, I was very into Buffy and it's it's much darker than I ever gave it credit for and my grandma would never let us watch anything to do with wizards or magic or anything like that and so I was always really drawn to it by my natural rebellious spirit and I invited these things in, these, these parasites that perpetuate depression into my life because of the things that I was naively consuming. <clears throat> so, but I thought, Christianity isn't helping. I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying to God, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to walk with Jesus, and it's not helping. Why do, I, why do I still feel so depressed? So that's around the time I got social media, I got Twitter, I started being, you know, I was very naive, very impressionable and manipulatable. And I was exposed to so much, especially through Twitter. That's the big thing that I remember is I was exposed to a lot of leftist ideologies. I was exposed to a lot of occultist things and I started to develop this dream of just getting the fuck out of my small town. Uh, I wanted more than anything to get out of my small town, away from my family, this place that didn't understand me, and get into the big city, um, find some corporate job to really establish myself as a woman in society. <laughs> um... And ultimately now I am so grateful that I am still here in my small town. So grateful. I love it here. Uh, could there be better places? Yeah. But during all this bullshit with the pandemic, living in a small town is pretty fucking great. <clears throat> so I started to develop these dreams. I got these impressionable, I was impressionable and started taking on these ideologies, these leftist ideologies, these new age beliefs, and I just started questioning everything. I, from middle, end of sophomore year was when I started to actually, I actually lost who I considered to be one of my best friends at the time because I got awarded a volleyball award that she believed she deserved. And the way that she, you know, I'm a firm believer that you can be upset for yourself for not getting something, but if someone's your friend, like, you can still be happy that they got it, even if you didn't, just, and while still being upset for yourself, and she was not happy for me, she was just upset for herself, and that didn't sit right with me. I, I knew then that friends don't treat friends that way people don't treat people that they love and say they care about that way. So we stopped being friends and that was a that was a big thing for me. I lost, you know, because my friends were her friends. The friends that I made were her friends already. So obviously they stuck by her and I lost a lot of friends. Uh So that pushed me even more into my isolation of sitting there scrolling through Twitter, getting on, you know, absorbing and consuming all of these ideologies. 
And I actually, by the middle of my junior year, I consider myself an atheist. Um, I was an atheist. I was more leftist than I... I never really considered myself a liberal. I said that I was libertarian, but I don't think I actually knew what the word meant. Um, I was much more liberal than I was conservative by the end of my junior... Middle of my junior year. So I went from conservative Christian to liberal atheist in about two years (laughs) and uh, that was that was one of my darkest points that's when I I started smoking marijuana I started hanging out with people that did not have my best interest in heart I began to to throw my body around in a way that I now deeply regret at the time with my liberal ideologies and my my feminist gusto and my atheism I did not think there were any consequences to my actions and I allowed myself to to throw my body away to people who could not give a damn less about me. And that, that, I'll talk, I'm going to talk separately about that, so I'm not going to go too deeply into that for my little biography. But that's middle of my junior year. Atheist, liberal, promiscuous, naive, broken, and lost. But after junior, I started partying a lot. Um, partying just got worse. My my senior year, I didn't do cheer, junior. After junior year, I didn't try out for cheerleading again. And uh, so senior year, I wasn't doing cheerleading that I had done. And once volleyball season was over, I wasn't for sure if I wanted to play in college. I wasn't for sure if I even wanted to go to college. So I just that's when I started partying more. Uh, volleyball season was over. I wasn't training all the time. Um, I was still playing club, but that was so much less regular. I was going to practices stoned. I was, uh, going to take breaks in my car during tournaments to smoke. Like, I just, uh, and really, honestly, smoking helped me play better, but that's a whole different thing. Interesting thing I have a theory on, but, um, So yeah, senior year I had a lot to decide and I didn't want to think about it. So I would just got stoned all the time and I would party when I could and I threw my body away more. Though at that point, second half of my senior year, no, that's actually, I took, there were three-ish months my senior year from like October to to January that I started I started researching meditation that's actually when I made my my little flip from atheism and liberalism to agnosticism and still having some liberal ideals while finally understanding a little more what libertarianism was so I had so from Christian conservative to liberal atheist to agnostic sort of libertarian (laughs) and uh, I went through about three months where I was pretty much just by myself it was actually the time period after volleyball season I was still getting stoned a lot but I that was the period I actually took time to take care of myself I was working I was exercising regularly in the gym in my town I was I discovered you know all these things about the chemicals that they're putting in our food and our meats and I realized oh shit that's not good and I discovered meditation and I started meditating and uh you know making myself organic dinners at night and I really took care of myself there for about three months um I made a lot of progress and then I began dating um this guy who would be my boyfriend for a few months after that dated for a few months and uh I liked him I never really had a real boyfriend before um 
but it kind of, that relationship took me a little bit, it took me out of my care for myself and back into partying and eating shitty foods that I knew weren't good for me because I didn't care because I don't know. I don't know exactly what I was doing, but so I let go. I had three months worth of progress and then I just kind of let it go for a little bit because I had this boyfriend and then I graduated. I had no idea what I was going to do for college. I looked at a couple colleges for playing, had that option but I didn't want to. And things at home were, my mom was kind of getting worse. She was started working from home and that gave her more opportunity to do drugs. And I just, at that point, I was pretty much taking care of my sister from like junior year to the end of senior year. I was pretty much responsible for taking care of Meadow because my mom would always be off partying or doing drugs or drinking when she wasn't at home during she was at home during the day doing our work while we were at school and then at night she would go to the casino to gamble or whatever else she would do so I would take care of Meadow make sure she had dinner and got to where she needed to go so I had to be responsible there for a little while and I think that's what it was more than anything was when I got my boyfriend at the time I had this means to escape from my mom, escape from my responsibilities. And I kind of did, but only once I knew that my grandma was there to help take care of Meadow more. Um, so after graduating, I just, I didn't want to do anything. I just partied. I spent the whole summer partying and doing so many things that I should not have done like I had I had some substance abuse problems and it wasn't like I was addicted to one thing I was addicted to escaping if you gave me a tramadol I would crush it up and pop it I think one time I actually accidentally snorted an ibuprofen thinking that it was a oxycontin um that's that's how how bad it was and I would just do anything that I could to, to escape from dealing with my own shit. And I did that for a while. I, I did that for a while. I lived the party life. I still had this, you know, I was agnostic. I believed in, I, I believed in the universe. I believed that there was a God of some sort. I didn't believe in Christianity and I didn't know for sure but I knew about meditation. I started learning about chakras. I started learning about these Buddhist um, philosophies and astrology a little bit. And so I got into these new agey things while I was partying my life away. It, it made no sense, quite frankly. Um, but at a certain point, I, I reached a point a couple years after that that... God said to me, my mom got a lot worse. That, that was the thing. My mom got a lot worse in those next couple of years. And I think that's why I kind of kept partying was because my mom was just getting worse. Things at home were continually worse. And it, my senior year, right after senior year, mom lost her job, um, her good corporate job because she <laughs> was doing all of her drugs and Oh, it just, she, she fell into the deep end dramatically. Um, and I fell right alongside with her. So I actually ended up running away. I say running away. I was eight, I was over 18, so I wasn't running away. But to my family, I was. And I lived with my my close friend um, from the area for a short period of time. And, you know, we perpetuated and continued the partying lifestyle. Um, I started getting more... I started getting into psychedelics when I went to Bonnaroo as my graduation present from my mom right after senior year. (laughs) That was the first time I tried psychedelics was at Bonnaroo, so interesting little tidbit there those are another one of the substances 
that I would go to and that I actually didn't give up. I didn't, I did not give up psychedelic use until a little over a year ago. Uh, and it's crazy how my life has changed since I've stopped. Anyways, so one night I heard, I just had this moment of silence and stillness to myself and I heard God say, I know you don't want to end up like your mom, but if you don't make choices now to create a better life, to walk alongside me, you're not going to have another option. You have options, but you have to make the choice right now. You don't want this life that you're walking the path towards, then don't have it. But you have to step up and make choices and take action to make a better life. And I didn't immediately change and it wasn't just this immediate, big dramatic transformation, but it was a couple nights after that that I told my friends that I was part, I'd regularly partied with, I can't do this anymore. I love you guys for the people that you are, but I need to go back to my grandma's I need to, to, to figure out who I am and what I'm doing and what I want to do. I need to figure out my shit. And so I did. And then I actually uh, got into another, we'll call it a relationship for lack of terminology. It was, <clears throat> I was very delusional. I'm running out of time, so I got to keep this short. I was very delusional. He was very narcissistic. And there was a perpetuated cycle of emotional abuse and delusion. For about, I don't know, that relationship didn't last terribly long. <clears throat> and at that point I was very, I became very new aged. I was, he was into some very much darker things um, that I never really resonated with, thought that I could influence him to abandon those things, uh, unsuccessfully and naively believed that. And it really pulled me into the darkness of new age a lot deeper, that relationship did. And ultimately he made me even more fearful of men than I already was. Because how could someone claim that they cared about someone and then treat me the way that I was treated by him? And, and I just, at that point, I was so desperate, so naive. I allowed myself to be emotionally abused because of that naiveness. I didn't realize how much that that had broken me. I lost my dad earlier in that year, uh, 2019. He died. And, you know, we still didn't have a relationship, but that was, that was hard for me in various different ways. So I went, was going through a lot and I finally started to get my shit a little more together. And then I met my now boyfriend and we've been together over a year now. He's, like I said, I was much more broken than I realized. And he was a godsend. I think, you know, God very divinely aligned us into each other's lives. He has brought me back to the purity of God, to understanding it. We have worked through so many things. He's been so patient with me as I navigate my healing from traumas. It really, honestly, just now where I'm at is the life I have is more than I could have prayed for a, more than, a little more than a year ago. I could not imagine being where I'm at today. <laughs> um, you know, like I said, I'm not Christian. I, I'm not conservative or liberal. But I am on a path to walking with true God source to eternal life. And even though I'm not perfect, I am working every single day in a way that I haven't 
ever to build myself the life that I, I truly want, you know, and so if you can even possibly understand how I've went from Christian conservative to liberal atheist to libertarian agnostic to where I'm at now walking with with true God source with a wonderful boyfriend and a wonderful home and and a life that allows me to have freedom to think on all of these diverse topics you know I've I've fought very hard to get here I've had to break free of a lot of delusions and a lot of ego pathologies to to get to where I'm at today and I just I really can't think of a whole lot more that I need to share I'm kind of running out of time and I was not expecting to be talking about my life for an hour but I guess once you get to almost 22 years old you've got a little bit to talk about and I still don't feel like I covered a third of what I wanted to actually say uh but so that's the story of my life that is childhood through now uh a child raised and born into a broken home and now I'm working to build a more beautiful home than I knew the 5 year old, 10 year old me could have dreamed of the most beautiful life that I could have imagined and I know that now I'm only even, I'm still at just the beginning I have so much further to go and so much more to learn and ways to grow But I'm very blessed to have the life that I have and to have these new understandings of, of the world and, and this newfound discernment to be able to take in information, process it, and come to my own conclusions via critical thinking and my own intuitive knowing. Uh, so yeah. That's a little bit of the story of how I went from a child born into a broken home into where I'm at now. A woman who can't wait to raise a family and have a homestead and just live a very simple life while also understanding and dissecting the complexities of this reality.